0: Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to the 25th episode of the Get Your Go podcast. or a quarter way there, 2100. Happy to be with you all. What a week it has been. A week of sports. Looking forward to the NBA All-Star Game this weekend. Always a spectacle. But we've got NFL news. College basketball rounding out its regular season this weekend. NHL. Critics' Choice Awards, oh, we have to get into it quick before the weekend starts. So let's get into it, starting with the NFL. Starting off with a couple retirees, Chiefs fullback Anthony Sherman has officially retired after 10 seasons in the NFL. He played two seasons with the 49ers, but he has spent all the rest of his eight with the Chiefs, a great fullback, uh, to me fullbacks are very underrated, but if you have a good one such as the Chiefs did, or a five ers do, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, then they are very beneficial. Great, great blockers, they're like a 6th offensive lineman in there uh, to block, you can use them in misdirection, uh, look like it's going one way, then a the running back pulls the other way. They can catch the football as well, run upfield. So the fullback is very, very valuable. And the Chiefs lost a great one in Anthony Sherman, who has retired. I wish him and his family nothing but the best in his next chapter of life. The Lions have released cornerback Desmond Trufant. Uh, Not a surprising move, as it saves them money, but as I have suspected... This is going to be a tanking year for Detroit. Uh, Last year, they were making moves, trying for a playoff push. None of their signings worked out. Desmond Trufant was one that didn't work out. I thought they had a good bargain on him, but they cut him loose. We'll save money. Uh, He had injury-prone. He's been injury-prone a lot in his career. So if you're just going full tank mode and don't want to pay players uh, or have any... Good or depth on there at all on your team, then that is fine. Good for the Lions. You know, suck it up. Uh you're going is from just like a mediocre franchise to the bottom of the barrels day by day. But at least when you hit rock bottom, there is nowhere to go but up, and I feel like the Lions this season will hit rock bottom. Yes, they have been 0 16 before. And to me, that is rock bottom, but they were climbing up. Now they are sliding back down to rock bottom. They have Jeff Okuda as a cornerback to slide in there, but they have a plethora of free agents. And I've said on my podcast before, this Lions team will not be good next year. I will root for the Lions. I will watch the Lions, even though they will be very, very painful to watch. Very. I foresee bad things happening with the Lions, especially with Jared Goff not giving him any weapons if they don't re-sign anybody. Their defense already has issues, so cutting players isn't going to help out the situation there in Detroit. Roethlisberger came to terms with the Steelers, as I thought he would. He restructured, got a deal done that uh, I think it cuts $14 million or $19 million uh, of his contract salary, but helps him so he can stay with the Steelers and make one last run at it, which is a win on both sides. Uh, Roethlisberger gets to stay in the same place he's always played, and then the Steelers don't have to worry about a cornerback, a quarterback. It's definitely on their radar, and they could see what happens this draft and see what happens this coming year, this season, this offseason. But at least that is a little bit of a headache you don't have to worry about right now. When, when? The Washington football team released Alex Smith. And I thought that was a surprising move. I thought it was going to happen after some of the comments Alex Smith made where uh, his comeback, you know, is not what the Washington football team was hoping. They didn't want that. So I had a feeling that they would cut him, but it is surprising as really their only quarterback is Taylor Heineke. Uh they cut Dwayne Haskins. Uh so really they I don't they have a great defense, young defense, tremendous upside, so much potential, and already were so good. But they needed a quarterback. Of course, it didn't Benefit them making the playoffs is now they have a lower draft pick in the first round. And when you are looking at recent mock drafts, it looks like all the quarterbacks will be taken by Washington's pick. Uh, No Trevor Lawrence, no Justin Fields, no Zach Wilson, no Mac Jones. Those will all be taken before them. Matthew Stafford is already gone. Uh, Redskins offered a deal for him. Jared Goff got swapped there, so he's out. Uh, you know, you could look to trade for a Marcus Mariota or a Sam Darnold. Of course, Mariota's contract is insane. I don't know if the football team would want to sign him. Uh, Sam Darnold could come cheap, but I don't see him as a long term viable option at quarterback. If you want to sign older people like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you could do that. But I, to me, that doesn't make sense since, to me, you had a better, more consistent quarterback in Alex Smith. You could get Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, I feel is going to be their most likely uh, quarterback. I could see him, them signing with uh, the football team, depending on how much money uh, is offered to him, either through the Saints or the football team, even if a football team pursues that. But finding a quarterback... Is your number one priority? Forget about their name. You're still a football team. You'll still be a football team for another year. Forget about finding a name right now. They need a quarterback fast. Won't be a young draft star, but it will be a free agent, veteran, or just a quarterback who's to me not even as comparable as Alex Smith. But hopefully, they get that figured out so this young, great defense of a football team does not get wasted when they're all on rookie and low level contracts. But that remains to be seen what happens with the lot Washington football team. Moving on to the NBA, my Lakers lost on Wednesday. I thought they could win even without LeBron, and it was close. They lost by three points. But I had a feeling it would happen. Uh, just had that feeling that they were going to lose that game just to screw up my prediction of me saying they'd go 4-5, and five, and then now they go 3-6, and six, not playing well defensively. Uh, to me, LeBron's playing good defensively, but everybody else is not. They need somebody in there to help them step it up as they did not play good against the Sacramento Kings. That's why they finished 3-6 and six and were not playing well at the end of this stretch. Hopefully with this break, uh, they get some juice and we will get into the second half of the season a much better team. The Pistons bought out Blake Griffin today. Uh, huge news because it seems like he will sign with a playoff contender. Now is he the Blake Griffin of old uh Lob City with Chris Paul? No, he isn't. Uh his physicality has declined. His athleticism has declined uh mightily since his days with the Clippers. Uh his age has taken a toll on him, so he is no longer that star, superstar player. He is just a role player at this point in his career, and I think with the right team, he could be a very, very good role player. Uh, But I could see them signing with the Brooklyn Nets, having a big man in there. That's not DeAndre Jordan. I think would definitely help out uh, this team. I think that would be great. Uh, Portland Trailblazers... I think it would be good to pair with uh, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. That would be awesome. If the Washington Wizards are serious about making a run with Bradley Beal, I think that would be great. But we'll just see, again, he's not what he once was. His athleticism, a lot of injuries that has happened to him, he's no longer that great great player on both ends of the court, but I think any team that signs him that's a playoff contender, it definitely helps. Having a quality player of experience, even if he doesn't play a ton of minutes, even if uh, you know he's a liability at games, just having that experience in that role is great. As long as he's not scoring zero points a game on, you know, fifteen minutes. Can't be having that. That's my issues with players. Is throwing up shots, running around the court, and doing nothing. Uh, You know, some people get passes like Chris Paul, who affect the game so much more when they're not scoring. But when you're just running around you, and I see you running around there doing nothing, that's a problem. And to me, I don't see Blake Griffin doing that. I could see him getting in the hole, pick and roll, dunking, making shots, Uh, not a three point shooter, so he can't really kick out to the three but I don't see him putting up goose eggs night in and night out like some stats I see that blows my mind. We can't be having that. And then as I said, the All-Star game is this weekend. Team LeBron versus Team Durant. Let's break it down. Who will win this game? What are the keys to the game? What is going to happen first off? I'm going to say Lebron Team LeBron will win this game. To me, I kind of like Team Durant a little more. I thought his picks were a lot better this year than the first year. He did this, and I was very surprised at some of LeBron's picks. But I think it's a very even matchup. But I think with Kevin Durant not playing uh, due to his injury, Team LeBron will win this game. Uh, I think it'll be close. Definitely think it'll be close. But having Durant would definitely have put them over the edge. Uh, But I'm rolling with Team LeBron. So your most likely starters out there for Team LeBron are LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry, and Luka Doncic. For Team Durant, you have Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, Bradley Beal, and Jason Tatum. And I think these teams going against each other, this will be great. Uh, the point guards, to me, you have Stephen Curry over Kyrie Irving. Again, two people that know each other well from their finals, played with the Cleveland-Golden State a uh, little rivalry they had. For a few years. To me that's a great matchup. Not a ton of defense on that matchup. Just great shooting. To me since it is the all-star game. Where defense isn't really the key. It's about knocking down shots. Making shots. I can see Steph Curry. Heating up and getting on fire. In this all-star game. He's played really well. And in previous all-star games. He's been a player I've been. Uh, you know, On the fence about. little trepidated, but to me, I feel like he's going to catch fire the night before in the three-point shooting contest, and I could see him uh, going head-to-head with Kyrie, knocking down shot after shot, three after three, in a game where you don't play a lot of defense. Luka Doncic and Bradley Beal. I think this is going to be a great matchup. Again, both offense, but to me, Luka Doncic is great. A little bit more inconsistent than Beal where Beal just brings that toughness, that play night in and night out. So I'm going with Bradley Beal because he is just amazing. I'm glad he was selected and will be a starter in the All-Star game. He is phenomenal. Then you have LeBron James uh, versus Jason Tatum. I believe it will be. Uh, Kawhi Leonard could be up there. But I'm going to roll with Jason Tatum and LeBron his experience in All-Star games over the past 18 years in the NBA. I have to give it to LeBron James. Jason Tatum's been great and consistent, but LeBron continually brings it day to day. And even though there was talk about you know players not liking the All-Star game this year, didn't want to do it, just wanted the rest. Uh, and I feel I totally agree. But LeBron's not going to cheat us, not cheat the fans out of anything He's going to put up a show on this team, and I expect him to do well. So that's a 2v1 advantage. Then you've got Kawhi Leonard versus Giannis Antetokounmpo in a great matchup. To me, this is going to be reminiscent of the uh, series when he was on the Raptors, Giannis on the Bucs, uh, and the Raptors handled the Bucks. I definitely think the Greek freak will do well. Again, a game that's not played a lot of defense, but to me, Kawhi will bring it defensively. He'll be knocking down threes. I think he'll give it up a better of Giannis, but I definitely think Giannis will be putting up points down in the hole. It's just how much will Kawhi play defense and frustrate him defensively? But to me, I've got to give this one slightly to Kawhi. Then you have Nikola Jocic uh, looking like an MVP right now for the Nuggets. Going against one of the front runners for MVP, Joel Embiid, uh, at the 5 spot. And to me, this is going to be one of the best matchups. To me, Joel Embiid can get into Giannis's head if he's on Giannis. But you, uh, Jokic is too big for Kawhi guard, so it's going to be that Jokic versus Embiid matchup. And he doesn't have any real estate in Jokic, that he can... Talk all he wants about Gobert and uh, Drummond, but Jokic is another type of monster. Uh, Offensively, he is so gifted. Uh, He plays so well. I think this is going to be a great matchup. To me, it's a flip of a coin. Who would be the better player? Who would you want on your team? Most people, I think this year will pick Joel, but to me, I'd roll with Jokic. So to me, i give them that slight edge, especially in the all-star game format. But I think it'll be great. And then for Team LeBron, your role players, you know, Damian Lillard, Ben Simmons, Chris Paul, Jalen Brown, Paul George, DeMontis Sabanis, Rudy Gobert, which is all really good. Gobert's looking like the defensive player of the year. Uh, Paul George has been playing like an MVP as well. He's been playing amazing. Jalen Brown is so consistent. Chris Paul, one of LeBron James' best friends. So glad he was selected in the All-Star game. He's great. His leadership, uh, the floor general that he is, uh, finding the right area to pass the ball, get it scored. Ben Simmons, one of the best players defensively. Who knows Joel Embiid playing on the same team? He can say something there. Uh... Damian Lillard, the most clutch player in the NBA right now, seems like games tied, one shot, one three to win the game. Even if you're down by two, you need a three, you're going to win the game. You want Damian Lillard to have the ball. He's that clutch and that potent from three. Uh, For most players, it seems like you have the three shot, you know. You have some players that you know it's not going to go in. Some it's 50-50, but with Dame, it feels like it's going to go in every single time he shoots the ball from downtown. He is that good, that showtime. Then in Team Durant, you have James Harden. Again, teammates with Kyrie Irving on the same team. Picked his buddy. Devin Booker on the Suns, who's playing amazing. Zion Williamson. Zach Levine. Julius Randle, Nikola Vucicic, and Donovan Mitchell. All great players. You're going to see players from both teams. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown going against each other. The Celtics, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard going up against each other. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, it is going to be a fun all-star game to watch. Of course, a little snub with you know Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert getting picked last but you know I'm totally for that you know LeBron saying that you know even when the Jazz were good back in the day with Stockton and Malone you still didn't want to be him and he could joke around with that but I think you know the Jazz are the best team in the league right now everybody's saying that even though they've been beat uh you know I don't think they like the Jazz so why not just pick those two players last I think Durant and LeBron were in cahoots about that, but when you look at LeBron versus Durant, to me, Durant has the better, you know, pure scores on his team, but when it comes to, you know, uh, assisting, passing the ball, rim protection, I have to give it to Team LeBron. To me, his team's more efficient uh, and just better, even if, you know, the score, the three-point score is for them, and Team Durant are better. But to me, LeBron has MVPs on his team himself. Curry, Antetokounmpo, with, you know, Durant has the MVP, but he won't be playing, whereas Harden is the only other one. But this is going to be a great weekend of a skills contest, three-point, the dunk, and then finishing with the All-Star game, on Sunday, definitely excited for this. Now, since we are halfway done with the NBA season, I have to give my top five teams halfway through the NBA season. This is different from my weekly top five, where that is based on like just a week-to-week basis, who are the five best teams from this past week. This is who has played the best, who is the best, Top five the first half of a schedule and that'll be my grounds to grading week to week now going forward. I won't do my weekly going forward is with my one doing last week with the All Star Game teams playing list. I will finish with this top five in the NBA right now. Number five, I'm rolling with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh They were already really good before they got James Harden, but the James Harden trade has put them over the edge, even with players being injured, uh, being out, mainly Durant, even Kyrie. They've been winning. They score the most points in the NBA at 121 points per game. They have a high scoring differential. They've been winning games. They don't go on losing streaks, it's like, Lose one, I'll win eight in a row, lose another one, maybe two, win another eight in a row. They had a little stretch in the middle there, but they are really good offensively. That trio is the best trio in the NBA right now. Uh, They have good role players in Joe Harris, who are really good. Spencer Dinwiddie, of course, who was injured. But to me, their only weakness is their defense, allowing 116 points per game. That is the third worst clip, or fourth worst clip, excuse me, in the NBA. Uh, And to me, all all those other three teams that are worse than them defensively, none of them are even in the playoffs or even close to making the playoffs, whereas Brooklyn is a top-five team in the NBA. So they will have to sort some things defensively when they get into the playoffs. It's all fine and dandy now, putting up a bunch of points, But you will need to come up with huge stops in the playoffs, and that's what we'll see what they'll made of. But right now, they have proven it by beating teams like the Lakers, the Clippers, the Sixers, the Bucks. I have to give them a five spot. Number four, the Los Angeles Lakers. It was looking so promising for the Lakers starting uh, the season. Uh, They were... Great offensively, great defensively. LeBron playing well, front runner for MVP. Take it away, Anthony Davis playing well. Their role players were playing well. The additions of Dennis Schroeder and Mantras Harrell were just amazing. Uh, they were twenty-one and six. They were one of the best teams in the NBA, right behind the Jazz. Then Anthony Davis gets injured. LeBron takes on a workload, and they just have been losing games left and right since the AD injury. They've been playing inconsistent. Players putting up zero points on minutes. uh, Defensively, lacking that effort. So because they started off so hot, but since they have severely cooled off, I can only give them the four spot. That is all I can do. That's the best for them. They have beat good teams like the Bucs, uh, the Trailblazers, uh, but they have struggled against top teams like the Sixers, the Suns, and the Jazz. Hey, and that rounds up my top three. Number three, the Phoenix Suns. Now the Suns, I thought they were going to be really good before the season. I said watch out. This is a playoff team. Last year they were a fringe bubble with the addition of CP3. They are a playoff team, and they are the second best team in the league. Even though they are my third best, they are playing really well on the offensive end of the floor and defensive end of the floor. They're 24 and 11. They're playing really well. Uh, to me, they could be number two if it wasn't for that blow or that yeah huge blow and lead to the Brooklyn Nets. Chris Paul playing great. He's an all-star. Devin Booker playing great, he's an all-star, DeAndre Ayton, protecting the rim, getting rebounds, he has been amazing for them, and to me, this Suns team is really good, just a really complete team on both sides of the ball, and that's what makes them so dangerous. Number two, the Philadelphia 76ers. Just a very balanced team, offensively and defensively. To me, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are two of the best defenders in the league. Uh, But to me, the rest of their team isn't great. Uh, Defensively, you have Joel Embiid averaging a double-double in points and rebounds, 30-11. and Ben Simmons, around 8 assists a game. They play really well and have great role players. And, you know, Seth Curry, Danny Green, uh, TJ McConnell, I believe, is on there. Uh, But they're playing really, really well. My bad, TJ's not on there. He's on the Pacers. But no, uh, this team's playing really good. They beat good teams as the Jazz, the Pacers, the Mavericks, playoff contending teams. Uh, Joel Embiid is finding his form front runner for MVP Uh, but to me the only thing is their three point shooting Uh, Ben Simmons doesn't do that well Joel Embiid doesn't do that well they have a couple specialists but as a team that is something they lack and if they get really cold it could be very tough to win games come playoff time now the best team in the NBA is the Utah Jazz hands down even though they Lost to the 76ers a game ago. They have played really well. The best point differential in the lead. Meaning they beat teams by the biggest margin. And they have been doing that all season. Mostly by double digits or close. they at 9 points. Averaging a win. Uh, with their 3 point shooting. With their defensive play. Just they have the whole package. They really do in Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley. All balanced. Different players leading different statistical categories. That's great to see. That's what makes the Utah Jazz so well is their depth. Everybody stepping up every night to win basketball games. That is why the Utah Jazz are number one. So my top five, Brooklyn Nets, Los Angeles Lakers, Phoenix Suns, Philadelphia 76ers, and the Utah Jazz. That's the top five for me right now. Moving on to college basketball. My pick I made on Wednesday night, Creighton and Villanova. I was right about that. I said Villanova would win, take the division crown again. And they did that. That was foreseen. I got that right. Yesterday, Michigan played Michigan State and crushed Michigan State 69-50. to uh, Michigan is now Big Ten champs. They're the champions of the best division, best conference in college basketball. Franz Wagner played amazing. Uh, 19 points. Uh, six rebounds. Hunter Dickinson, you know, double double, fourteen points, ten rebounds. Livers added points. Mike Eli Brooks, Mike Smith. They all played really well. And even though the score was sixty nine to fifty, they were almost up by like thirty at one point. It was like thirty six to sixty three before Minnesota, Michigan State kind of chewed back with Michigan's backups in. But no, this was a dominant performance. By Michigan all around, uh, shot 50% from the field, uh, 40% or more from the three-point land. And to me, the best statistic was they held Michigan State to not make one three-point shot. As I just got on Michigan, for only making two against Illinois in their last Michigan State couldn't even knock down one. They were 0 for 9 from downtown. They were terrible. Uh, Michigan State never had a lead the whole game. That was how dominant Michigan was. They were upset after that loss to Illinois. They wanted to come back with a huge statement win on arrival. They definitely did that. Largest lead of 28. And they won by 19. That was a great win by Michigan. Now. Getting on to my college basketball picks, because there is a lot of college basketball this weekend. I'm going to make four picks. Two for tomorrow. Two for Sunday. Tomorrow you have Oklahoma State versus West Virginia. Oklahoma State, uh, Cades Cunningham uh, was slightly injured yesterday against Baylor. That's huge for them. Uh, if he plays, if he doesn't play, that's huge. But I think West Virginia will win. Uh, they're coming off a huge loss to Baylor in overtime, which is a game that they could have won, they should have won, had control over. I see West Virginia rebounding as they have a better team. They're offensively amazing. Just players that can knock down three-point shots so well, get to the rim. That group of players plays really well. I'm rolling with her, West Virginia. Illinois versus Ohio State. To me, this was a tough one to pick as Ohio State has lost their past three games. And Illinois has just had a huge emotional win over Michigan without their best player, Io Dansumo. So, to me, this is one I'm really back and forth on. But I'd have to pick Ohio State just because they're on such a role lately, uh, a bad role. But to me, Ohio State is still a good team offensively, uh, not as efficient as Illinois. But to me, Ohio State's going to get back on track. Their wins were not a fluke. They beat good teams, were in contention against good teams. I can see them getting back on track. This weekend against Illinois. Wisconsin versus Iowa. I'm rolling with Iowa. They want to secure a number two seed, number two seed line, whether it's the top number two seed or not in a bracket. They want a two seed. It's important. I see them getting the win easily. They've been beating a lot of teams by a lot. Other Then Michigan, but Iowa is a great team led by Luca Garza and Jordan Bonahan. Then lastly, Texas Tech versus Baylor to basically close off the college basketball regular season before the conference tournaments. What I'm going back and forth on, I want to pick Baylor. I should be picking Baylor, but I'm going with my heart. I'm going with Texas Tech. To upset the Baylor Bears, that's what I want to happen. Texas Tech still has a great team with Matt McClung, uh, Kyler Edwards, Marcus Santos Silva. They have great players, but you know Baylor has great players too. Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, all outstanding. To me, Texas is better. Texas Tech be better defensively than Baylor, but Baylor's kind of head and shoulders better offensively. And Texas Tech. Texas Tech has a string of wins going. Looks like Baylor's sound their form again. But I have to roll with Texas Tech and be upset. Moving on to the NHL. Brent Seabrook has retired defenseman for the Chicago Blackhawks. Won three Stanley Cups here with him. A tremendous defenseman. Tremendous player. I wish him and his family... Nothing but the best going forward into his next book. Then my Pittsburgh Penguins blew a game to the Flyers. I couldn't believe it. Up 3-0 right away. You know, the first four minutes of play, I was like, this is great. Let's cruise to the win. Uh, then they got a late goal into the first to cut down 3-1. to And I thought, you know, this is still, I don't care. My team was still playing really really well, I thought, they're going to do it, then the second period, Claude Giroux got a goal, and it was 3-2, and you're like, there's still 20 minutes left to play, they can do it, but to me, Pittsburgh's not blowing a 3-0 lead, they're not that bad, then they got a terrible redirect, Claude Giroux, uh, Scott Lofton, tied it up, and then, all you know, Claude Giroux scores again, makes it 4-3. to And my team in the third period of the Pittsburgh Penguins did not play well. They did not play fast. They did not play hard. They did not play like they wanted to win the game. They played like they got the lead early, wanted to sit on it the whole game, took their foot off the gas, and blew it. They blew it. And as I said before, I was like, hey, the Penguins are turning the corner. It looks like they're going to pull back-to-back wins. And really all they did was pull my heart out. Because again, as I say, they win one, they lose one. That's the Penguins mantra. They just beat the Flyers. I thought, let's win another one. They said, no, Josh, we cannot do that. We're losing this one. And it was ridiculous. Uh, Their defense played poorly. Mike Matheson was not good. Um, That third goal that tied it up, Tristan Jari had to punch it out. So he punched it to Matheson. Matheson turned the puck over. Uh, Then he was on the ice for the other one. Couldn't block or deflect the puck at all. That was terrible. Uh, Their defense needs to shore up and help Jerry Jari out immensely. That cannot happen. They cannot be outshot second and third period like the way they were dead yesterday. That's unacceptable. Now my picks for tonight's game. Lightning and the Blackhawks, I'm rolling with the Lightning. Uh, Lightning just pulled it out in overtime uh, yesterday, but they're playing really well. The Blackhawks, to me, are super surprising. They're playing well, but I have to roll with the Lightning just because they're the better team. Uh, Blues and Kings tonight, I'm rolling with the Blues. I'm not picking the Kings. Blues are the better team. But then this weekend, you have great NHL matchup. Flyers-Penguins. Another round, you have the Wild and Coyotes fighting for a huge divisional spot. You have the Rangers-Penguins, Lightning-Blackhawks, Capitals-Flyers, a lot of NHL this weekend. And as we're wrapping close to almost being done with the first half of the NHL season, it is certainly... Tightening up in here, and tightening up fast. We will see what happens in the coming weeks. See if any team separates themselves any more than what's already happening. That's it for sports. Until my get your go take. Uh, Stock alert: GameStop is not going down anytime soon. I love that investment. Uh, Kept my shares. GME is going up. Uh, Tesla is on a roller coaster ride. Uh, for real, I thought GameStop was a roller coaster, but it looks like Tesla is one. But then you have your steady market up, you know, with Apple, with Microsoft, with Disney, with Google. Uh, but definitely an interesting week, to say the least. And finally I'm going to talk about the Critics Choice Awards real quick and my predictions. I've not seen one division yet. The season finale is tonight. Uh I was going to talk about that but I forgot. So I will save that for Monday, but I am so excited to watch that. That is going to be amazing. Haven't been able to go on my phone much because Of all the spoilers. But to me it should be fantastic. So Critics Choice Awards. Best Picture. Uh, There's 10 nominations for Best Picture. But to me. I see Nomadland winning. After it won the Golden Globe for Drama. uh, To me. That is the film to beat. Especially since. uh, The only comedy one. Uh, none of the comedy ones were in there, but to me, Minari could win. I would love to see that win. Of course, you know, me and Promising Young Woman would like that. Trial of the Chicago 7 could be close, but to me, there's going to be Nomadland. You know, with Minari not being in the mix last week of the Golden Globes, it's going to be nice to see Minari and this award show and future award shows to see it leading up to the Oscars to see if it will have a Parasite-like run. Or not, but since I am signed up for all this gold derby action and amazing insider type stuff, to me, Nomadland will be taking it home, even if I want promising or Minari to take it home. Best actor, it's going to Chadwick Boseman. uh To me, he's just going to be the ultimate sweep of the best actor category for my Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes, I like Riz Ahmed. Uh, I like the Stephen Yun for Minari, but to me, I think Chadwick deserves it. Uh, this posthumous win for him is great, so I will take nothing away from Chadwick. Best actress. Oh man, I want to say Carrie Mulligan. I want Promising Young Woman, but I just do not know. After Andre Day's win for the Golden Globes, she's up again for the United States there's Billie Holiday a lot of people still like Viola Davis a lot of talk right now on Zendaya for Malcolm and Marie I want Carrie I'll pick Carrie even if you know this piece of me that's biting me saying it's going to be Andre Day pulling off another upset and kind of solidifying that fifth final Oscar spot for herself I like Carrie I'm pulling for Carrie even if Andre Day does win it. Best Supporting Actor, Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, Yes, Sasha Baron Cohen was great. Uh, Paul Rache for Sound of Metal. Chadwick Boseman for Defy Bloods. But Daniel Kaluuya, as I've said before, time and time again, his command, his presence in Judas and the Black Messiah was outstanding. To me, he could have been in the category for Best Lead Actor as well, just not Supporting. Because his role was just so good in that film. And to me, spent majority of the time as the main man. Best Supporting Actress. Oh, again, this is a tough one. The winner of the Golden Globes is not even up this time around. I thought it was going to be you know, Glenn Close or Olivia Colman. You had Amanda Seifried in the mix, a lot of people liking her. You have Maria Bakalova, uh, the Yu Yoo Jung Yoon for Minari, the grandmother. I think it's going to be Olivia Coleman. I'm going with that. But then again, this so both actress rates are not for sure yet. But I'm going to roll with Olivia Coleman because she is popular. And I need to watch the father pronto. That is on my list. Best acting ensemble. I think it should go to Minari or to Five Bloods for sure. But I think it will go to The Trial of a Chicago Seven. I have no problems with that, as I think that is a great movie as well. But to me, those ones are just a little bit above it. Best director Chloe Zhao, Nomad Land. Uh, She's taken that. Best original screenplay. I think of the Chicago 7 after its Golden Globe win. Uh, I would like to see Promising Young Woman in Emerald Fennell. Her writing is great. But I definitely think Aaron Sorkin is taking it. Best adapted screenplay. I think it'll be One Night in Miami. Give him a consolation prize and not give everything to Chloe Zhao. Again, I could be wrong. But, I think One Night in Miami will definitely win something. And then you have all your TV awards. Again, Best Drama Series. I think it'll be The Crown. The Crown wins. One last time, I think it'll win again. Actor in a Drama Series. Josh O'Connor, I think it's everything drama. It is Crown. Emma Corrin, Crown. Uh, just everything can be crowned. You know, everybody likes it. My mom loves it. Uh, she's on the Crown wagon now, so she can tell me all about the Crown. Comedy, I think it's me very close to the Golden Globes. Uh, Shit's Creek. Uh, Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso. Uh, Catherine O'Hara for Shit's Creek. Uh, I just think those guys battling it out. But in supporting actor. For that, I can definitely see, you know, the Shits Creek sense uh what's his name is not up. Uh for small acts, uh John Boyega, best limited series, you know, Queen's Gambit is taking that at all. Uh Mark Ruffalo, uh that's it. You know, Queen's Gambit, Shits Creek, Ted Lasso, to me. That's all you need to know. Uh, But it's going to be great to watch. See how these awards tighten out, See if they actually do tighten up with new people. Or if it's going to be consistent in what has been played out already. So my final get your goat take takes. Whatever you want to say. Is Carrie Mulligan is the best actress this year. Uh, I don't care what people say about... United States versus Billie Holiday I read multiple reviews saying that movie was not good yes, uh, Andre Day had a great performance and made the movie what it is but so does Carrie Mulligan and Promised Young Woman and really to me you can say that about all those actresses in that category so don't give me any crap on that also, I cannot believe that the Washington football team released Alex Smith to me, that is a dumb move because it is great to have a bridge quarterback come in and kind of direct the team, see if you have a rookie who gets the young guy is actually the guy you want. If he you know can't live up to it, you have that bridge quarterback, the experience, the model, the teacher who can show the younger guy the ropes, which I think is something Washington will need. Whether they trade for a younger quarterback or not, or trade up in the draft, who knows what they'll do. But I definitely thought that cutting Alex Smith was disrespect to the comeback player of the year who gave so much in to come back, only to be cut like that, to me was not fair to Alex Smith. And To me, just another dumb move for the football team. Not only is he a leader for the next quarterback in line, but for this whole team, this defense, his perseverance, all that he did off the field, people looking up to him, that yeah, was just a dumb move, not a class move, classy move at all by the Washington football team. Alex Smith deserved more, and hopefully he signs with a team that needs a quarterback, maybe not a true starting quarterback where you know he'll start every game, but can definitely be the bridge be a reliable backup for whatever is needed. Whether it's a team like the Patriots, who I think would be a smart move for him to go there, be the bridge. If Miami's not sold on him and don't want to bring back Fitzmagic, bring him back. Uh, So to me, the Patriots make the most logical sense. But to me, if the Texans get rid of Deshaun Watson, they could definitely use his services. Uh, Denver Broncos could use Alex Smith if they're not sold on Drew Locke. The Giants could use him. Uh, Daniel Jones, to me, isn't the man. Uh, The Eagles could use him too with Jalen Hurts. The Detroit Lions could just use a solid backup. To me, Chase Daniel's not the guy. Uh, Jared Goff isn't the guy. New Orleans Saints could bring him in as well, depending on their quarterback situation. Uh, The Falcons, depending on Bears, the Panthers. So there definitely is a lot of options. I think he'll gain a lot of interest and just a great story by Alex Smith. I'm rooting for you, Alex Smith, I am. I didn't like you on the 49ers. Definitely not, but I'm rooting for you. So that's it. That is the Get Your Goat Podcast. Everybody, have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy watching sports, watching movies, watching shows, watching TV, uh, watching the All-Star Game. It's going to be great. Fun to watch. I'm definitely looking forward to it. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the 25th episode and the 25 episodes before this. And all the 25 episodes and more we will do after this. Bye, everybody.